We turn in sacred scripture to Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And we also turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 24, this is uh, the record, the inspired record of God's creation of all things, and we're going to read about what God did on the sixth day, and then what God did on the seventh day, as we consider in the preaching what the Sabbath day is this morning. Genesis 1 verse 24, and God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind and every creeping th- and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat." And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to every thing that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So far we read from Genesis chapters 1 and 2, and then Deuteronomy chapter 5 which is where Moses gives the Ten Commandments for the second time. I just want to read the fourth commandment and how that is worded in Deuteronomy 5. Deuteronomy 5, starting at verse 12. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it, to set it apart and treat it as holy. As the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day 
is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor thy stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. So far we read God's holy and infallible word. It's on the basis of these passages of Scripture and many others that we have the teaching of Lord's Day 38 of the Heidelberg Catechism, found on page 22 in the back of the Psalter, Lord's Day 38. Looking at the fourth commandment. What doth God require in the fourth commandment? First, that the ministry of the gospel and the schools be maintained, and that I, especially on the Sabbath, that is, on the day of rest, diligently frequent the church of God to hear His word, to use the sacraments, publicly to call upon the Lord, and contribute to the relief of the poor, as becomes, as is suitable for a Christian. Secondly, that all the days of my life I cease from my evil works and yield myself to the Lord to work by His Holy Spirit in me and thus begin in this life the eternal Sabbath. Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, are you thankful? Are you Thankful. That's how we've been starting these sermons lately, and that's how we start this morning's sermon as well. This is where we are in the catechism. We've looked at how great our sin and misery is. We've seen how left to ourselves we are dead in sins and trespasses. We are in bondage to sin and death, and we are worthy of temporal and eternal punishment of body and soul. We've also seen how we are delivered from our sin and misery. We've seen Jesus Christ as the one qualified mediator whom God sent to deliver us from our sins, to to be our substitute and to bear the punishment, the hell that we deserved, the wrath of God that we deserved for our sins. And we've also seen Jesus as the one who has kept God's law perfectly, fully, in our place, for us, that we might have a perfect righteous standing before God. And we've also seen how through Jesus Christ and by His Holy Spirit, God has delivered us from spiritual death and raised us to spiritual life, so that already now we are beginning to live the eternal life unto which God has raised us. And that eternal life which He will give to us, more fully and perfectly, that we will enjoy it more fully and perfectly when He calls us home to glory, and especially also when He raises us from the dead or when Christ comes again on the clouds of glory. We've looked at these things, and now looking at all these things, we're asking the question, how do we respond? How, how, how do we show our thanks 
for this great salvation which God has freely, fully given to us. How do we show our thanks? With this new life unto which I have been raised, how shall I now live? And the answer, in part, is this. By keeping God's law. God's law is written in my heart, and I keep it now in order to honor Him and praise Him, to show Him my love and show Him my thanks, to delight Him and show Him my thanks for this salvation He has given me. I devote myself unto Him. And beloved, that's why we're going through the Ten Commandments, in order that we might know how to live this life of thankfulness unto the Lord. And so now we come to the fourth commandment this morning, and it's the same question. Why keep the Sabbath day? Why remember to hallow the day that God has set apart in a special way? Why? Because I'm thankful. And and this is His due. Answering the question that way is entirely fitting, and that's true with every commandment. We, we are thankful. We want to give God our praise. And we do that on Sunday in a special way. And yet, I think with this fourth commandment, there's even more that we should add. And what is more with this commandment is this. We need the Sabbath day. God made the Sabbath day, not just as a, a commandment for us to keep, but God made the Sabbath day for our joy. For our fellowship with Him, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. We need the Sabbath day. Oh, we so desperately need the Sabbath day, so much more than we often realize. This day marks not only the beginning of another week, but this day really sets the tone for the rest of the week, spiritually. I need the spiritual refreshment and the spiritual renewal and spiritual restoration that comes with the proper observance of the Sabbath day. Really, this is my life. This is the truest expression of my life right here on the first day of the week. This marks the beginning of the rest of my life. This Sabbath day. And to live without the Sabbath day, in in a real sense, is hell. To live apart from God is death. And to begin another week apart from God To have that feeling, you've had it before, that that I've started another week in this world estranged from God, distant from God, because I haven't been able to go to His house or or keep the Sabbath day like I'm used to. That's, That's misery. I need the Sabbath day. I need to be brought back to the Lord. Every week again, the Sabbath day is a entering anew into the finished labors of Jesus Christ, a tasting and a seeing that the Lord is good. And every week again, the Sabbath day is an entering into a life of devotion and consecration to God. Oh, how I need that. What a blessing the Sabbath day is. How sweet it is to meet the Lord and fellowship with Him and with His people in His house of prayer. Well, every time that I've preached on this commandment, it it seems like it is very timely. In fact, the last time that I preached on this, it might seem like a while ago, But I took the call here and I moved here just before I was about to preach on this commandment again. The last time I preached on this commandment was the week after the COVID lockdowns. And what a fitting time to dwell on the Sabbath as people were worshiping in their homes and were not able to gather for worship. 
Well, it's, it's fitting again here this morning to, to dwell on the Sabbath day. We understand the Sabbath day is always under attack. And in our own lives, in our own hearts, we need to be vigilant and be asking ourselves, are we jealous of the Sabbath? Are we enjoying the Sabbath day as we ought? Are we heeding God's strict commandment faithfully? Because Satan would have us minimize this day. Our sinful nature would have us treat this fourth commandment as if it's a a mere suggestion, more than a commandment that's written in stone. And, And we struggle with it. In these days of apostasy, Satan works hard and And we need the Sabbath day to to protect our spiritual lives. Well, in order to encourage us in the proper use of the Sabbath day and this fourth commandment, I want to spend some some time on this fourth commandment. I, I plan to preach three sermons on this commandment and work through this commandment slowly. This morning... I want to start by laying the foundation, the the building blocks, making sure we have a basic understanding of what the Sabbath is, why there is a Sabbath in the New Testament, and and, and why this commandment is still abiding for us. There's, There's confusion here, and we want to explain what the Sabbath is and why there is the Sabbath day. And I think that's very important. If we're going to be motivated to keep the Sabbath day, well, it's pivotal, it's fundamental that we understand what the Sabbath is. It starts with having a solid understanding of the basics. So, that's what we do this morning. We take as our theme, understanding the Sabbath day. And we look at three things. First, understanding it as a specific day, that it is a day, a specific day. Second, understanding it as the first day, not the last day, not the seventh day, but the first day, and then third, understanding it as the Lord's day, as Jesus' day. As I just said, foundational for keeping the Sabbath day and preserving the Sabbath day in our own homes and families is understanding why we are still required to keep it. That's especially important because there are so many attacks on the Sabbath day. Many, even Christians, and, and maybe we even are tempted to fall into this because it's so pervasive, many will argue that we don't need to keep this commandment anymore. They don't understand why we need to keep this commandment, and so as a result, they don't keep it. And what many will say is that the seventh or the Sabbath day, this fourth commandment, was a strictly Old Testament Jewish practice. It was strictly a rule for the nation of Israel in the Old Testament. And then they will argue that when Jesus came... He fulfilled the Old Testament Sabbath day in such a way that the Sabbath has gone away and we don't need to keep a special day holy anymore in the New Testament. And what they will say then is that the Sabbath day is holy, entirely ceremonial. It was part of the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. And when Jesus came, He fulfilled all those types and shadows and the ceremonial laws have been abolished, they've been abrogated, they've come to an end, and therefore we don't have to keep the Sabbath day any longer. And to explain then why they still worship on Sunday, which they do, many Christians, they will say, the fact that we use the first day of the week for public worship is simply due to the free choice we have as God's people. It's not binding upon us to worship on Sunday. If we wanted to, we could have chosen some other day of the week to worship. Maybe Saturday night. Maybe Wednesday. 
In fact, back in 1925, there was a minister in the CRC, a man by the name of Reverend Weeringa, who was deposed from the ministry in 1925 because this is exactly what he taught. He was attacking the abiding character of the Sabbath day. And the CRC, at the time, would have nothing to do with that. And they deposed him. He had been a minister for only four years. What we need to do still today is make sure we understand why the fourth commandment is just as important for us to obey as the seventh commandment or the sixth commandment. Because sometimes we do have that attitude, oh, I cannot commit adultery, but maybe just to skip Sunday or do things on Sunday, that's not quite as serious, right? There's that culture, that influence. So we have to think about these things. Now, what also adds to the difficulty surrounding this fourth commandment is that it has to do with something so tangible. In a sense, the fourth commandment does stand out as different because the fourth commandment tells you and me how we are to use our time. And we're not used to that. We're not used to other people setting a schedule for us. We're used to making our own agendas, especially when it comes to what we might all refer to as our free time, my time. And we often think of the weekend as our free time. I, I work five days a week and the weekend is, is my time. It's, it's family time, time to do what I want to do. And what we need to appreciate right away is that when we apply that to the Sabbath day, to Sunday morning, to Sunday the whole day, when we, when we approach things that way, even through the rest of the week, when we approach things that way, we are approaching things with a very ungodly way of thinking. You see, that's how the world thinks. That's not how the Christian thinks. If we think it's okay to sleep in Sunday morning and skip church because, well, this isn't that big of a deal, well, that's a very ungodly way of thinking. We could say that's a pagan way of thinking. That, that's simply not having God in all your thoughts. And in the fourth commandment, we are confronted with this ungodly way of thinking in a very blunt way. Because the fourth commandment now comes to us and says, No, you don't plan your own time. You don't plan your own agenda. God has already planned your agenda for you for the rest of your life. And, and for this first day of the week, too. Every, day, every week for the rest of your life, the first day of the week is mine. Truly, your whole life belongs to me, but the first day I claim in a special way for me. Now, in all of this discussion, even as we hear that this is a commandment, we need to remember that God does this for our good. This is not just an arbitrary law God gives, and it's certainly not meant to be a burden. It's the exact opposite. God wants His people to enjoy the rest that He has obtained for them through Jesus Christ. God doesn't want us to live like slaves, beloved. God wants us to grow in our relationship with Him. He cares for us. He doesn't want you to live as a slave. So He gives you the Sabbath day right away at the beginning of the week. You're mine. You're set free. You don't have to toil and labor as if to earn anything. It's already all given you. Your whole perspective has changed. But you see, there is this whole way of thinking that's creeping into the church that, that says, well, Jesus is just there for my convenience. 
He's not really there for me to obey him. He's simply there when I need comfort and when I need help. And that whole way of thinking hurts the Christian very much when it comes to how he now approaches the Sabbath day. So it's important to understand what the Sabbath day is and why it is still in force, why, the, why it's a commandment. Now, in order to explain the Sabbath day properly as a specific day, the first thing that we need to emphasize is that the Sabbath day was not merely part of the ceremonial law that God gave to the nation of Israel only for their time and their place in the Old Testament. The Sabbath day is something much, much bigger than a ceremonial law. There's a few things we need to point out here. I've got five things. The first thing to point out is this. God created the Sabbath day as part of the very fabric of creation. Remember, when God created everything, God created all things in six days, and then on the seventh day, He rested. He rested, and He created the Sabbath day. And when God did that, God was including the Sabbath day as part of how the whole creation operates and runs. The fourth commandment is rooted in God. He's a God of rest, a God of fellowship. But it's, it's also, we could say, rooted in God's creation. Or we could put it this way, the Sabbath day is a creation ordinance. And I think that's something very fascinating to think about. What we all need to realize is that God created the seven-day week. Now, we know God created the 24-hour day. And God created the 24-hour day by having the earth spin on its axis and spin at such a speed that it makes one full rotation in 24 hours. God created the day, the 24-hour day. We also know that God created the month. God created the month by determine how long it would take uh, for the moon to, to go through the cycles of a full moon back to no moon and back to a full moon again. It takes about a month. God created the month. We know that God also created the year. He created the year by setting the earth in its orbit around the sun and having it take about 365 days for the earth to do one complete revolution around the sun. Well, just as the 24-hour day is built into creation, and the 30-day month is built into creation, and the 365-day year is built into this creation, just so the seven-day week is built, uh, the seven-day week with six days of working and one day of resting is built into the very fabric of creation. It's part of how God made this world. The Sabbath day is not just some cultural feature that was part of the nation of Israel. It's part of the, the rhyme and rhythm of creation. If you don't have one day in seven in which you rest from your labors, you're going against how creation itself was meant to function. Think of it this way. Have you ever asked, have you ever asked where the seven-day week came from? Everyone knows. The world knows there's seven days in a week. Everyone keeps this schedule. Well, it comes from how God created everything in the beginning. That's, that's interesting if we've never thought about that before. This, this is not just Christianity's influence on the world. This is how God created it. 
It's, it's like marriage. Think about marriage. Marriage was created by God to be between one man and one woman for life. That's how God created it. And although people are attacking marriage today and trying to treat it as if it's something that society invented, that doesn't change the truth of what marriage is. And that's also how it is with the Sabbath day. God created the Sabbath day to be a perpetual part of this creation. And though people try to ignore it, it's still there. It's always there. It always will be there. When God made the seven-day week, God said, six days will be for working And one day will be set aside as a special day for rest and refreshment. So the first reason that the Sabbath day is still in force today is the fact that it will always be in force as part of this creation. From this point of view, there's no difference whether you're in the Old Testament or New Testament. You don't need to make that distinction. It's part of creation. Whether we see it or not, whether we observe it or not, The Sabbath day is in the creation. It's part of the created universe. By the way, this is another way in which the the wicked philosophy of evolutionism attacks Christianity. By attacking the biblical account of creation, evolutionism also attacks a biblical, a, a right understanding of the Sabbath day and a right understanding of the whole creation. Because what happens when you no longer have a creation week? Well, of course, then you no longer have a creation, creational Sabbath day. The two go together. This is also why we treat the Sabbath day as an entire day. It's not a Sabbath morning. It's not a Sabbath three hours where you have an hour and a half in the morning and an hour and a half in the evening and the rest of the day is for you to, to do what you want. No, it's the whole day. If we want to get technical here, which is sometimes what we have to do, it's a 24-hour kind of thing. Because that's what a day is. It's 24 hours. And the Sabbath day, if we need to get technical, is a 24-hour time period. Just like the first day of creation was a day. 24, literal, uh, literal 24-hour day. Just so the seventh day of creation was a day. The Sabbath day is rooted in creation. Second, another reason that the Sabbath day is still in force today as a special day is the fact that God gave the Sabbath day to His people in order to enjoy the deliverance and salvation that He is going to give them in Jesus Christ. You see, the Sabbath day is not just rooted in God's work of creation. The Sabbath day is also rooted in God's work of redemption. And then think about this. Already in the week of creation... When God instituted the Sabbath day and kept that seventh day holy and sanctified it, God already then had his eyes on Jesus Christ. Even before there was, you might say, a need for Jesus Christ, God had his eye on Jesus Christ. Yes, when God created the Sabbath day, God rested from his labors and and God entered into the enjoyment of what he had been working on those six days before, and Adam and Eve did too. They entered into the finished labors of God, and they enjoyed His finished work on that seventh day after creation. But in God's infinite and perfect wisdom, when God instituted the Sabbath day, God already then had His eyes set on what He was going to do in Jesus Christ. 
And he had his eyes on Jesus Christ in this way, that God would raise this Sabbath day, the the seventh day of the creation week, God would raise that Sabbath day to an even higher level in and through Jesus Christ. So that the Sabbath day would not just be a day for enjoying physical rest from physical labors or enjoying God's work of creation, as Adam and Eve were enjoying it, walking with God and enjoying Him together in His creation. But the Sabbath day would be for enjoying the spiritual rest, that greater rest that God would obtain for His people through His labors on the cross. So that through Jesus' labors, God's people would enter even into closer fellowship, a more intimate walk and a more intimate talk with God than even what Adam and Eve enjoyed on that first Sabbath day. God was going to raise it to a higher level of fellowship and intimacy. Just think, just as marriage itself was created in the creation week to be a picture of Christ and His church, and God made marriage on the sixth day of the creation, even before, you might say, there was a need for Jesus to lay down His life for His bride. But God already had His eyes on what He was going to do in Jesus and and created marriage to be a reflection of Christ and His church. Just so, the Sabbath day was created to point God's people to the rest He would provide them and, and obtain for them through Jesus Christ. And in the Old Testament, you have this being taught to God's people in types and shadows. When God delivered His people out of Egyptian slavery, God used the Sabbath in this way to point them to the rest that He has provided for them in Jesus Christ. In Deuteronomy 5, when Moses repeats the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, and he repeats this fourth commandment, we all know he uses slightly different language. He says, And remember that thou wast a servant. You were a slave in the land of Egypt. And that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore, the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day was given by God not just so that His people might rest from their daily labors. But God gave the Sabbath day so that His people might enjoy the deliverance that God gave them from Egyptian bondage. So that they might remember they don't have to live as slaves anymore. They are not in bondage to sin and death. They've been set free. So enjoy your freedom in Christ. Live and enjoy. Live out the Sabbath day. And then we understand that 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 deliverance from Egypt was a picture of the great deliverance in Jesus Christ. Maybe to backtrack, you could say it this way. When Adam and Eve fell into sin, they lost the Sabbath day. They they corrupted the Sabbath day because sin was a barrier to that fellowship and friendship with God. No longer could man enjoy the Sabbath day like he ought. The Sabbath day was still there. There was still the command to observe it, but it was corrupted by man's sin. Man couldn't fellowship with God, but God, through the work of Jesus Christ, was going to restore the Sabbath day to His elect people bring them into the enjoyment of the Sabbath day again, and then raise it to a higher level. And all the history surrounding Israel's deliverance from Egyptian bondage was a foreshadowing of that deliverance, of that reality. God told the Israelites, enjoy the Sabbath day that I have given you from Egyptian bondage, and then realize that this Sabbath day enjoyment is but pointing you, my people, 
to the final Sabbath day enjoyment in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we might even say today it's, it's the same thing. We are enjoying the rest in Jesus Christ, and yet we are still looking ahead. We're still looking ahead to that eternal Sabbath where the Sabbath day will never end. So in a certain sense, we could argue this way. If there was a Sabbath day in the Old Testament that God's people were supposed to keep holy, rooted in their deliverance from Egyptian bondage, a Sabbath day rooted in their deliverance from bondage, well then how much more is there a Sabbath day that God's people are to keep in the New Testament, rooted in the greater deliverance that God has given us through Jesus' death on the cross? You see, that's our approach with regard to the Sabbath day. For God's people who belong to Jesus Christ, who enjoy redemption in the blood of Jesus Christ, there is a rest that remains. There is still a rest. There is a Sabbath day that you must keep, that you will keep, that God causes His people to keep. And that's what's happening today. God has called us here. He's brought us here. This is a command and this is also His work in us, that we enjoy the Sabbath day. Well, that's the second reason why there's a specific day. First, it's rooted in creation. And second, it's rooted in God's work of redemption. Third, another reason that the Sabbath day is kept in force today is the fact that this commandment was one of the Ten Commandments. It was written in stone by the very finger of God Himself, given to Moses in a special way, All kinds of ceremonial laws that were given, all kinds of civil laws, but the Ten Commandments are given in a special way to emphasize uh, their abiding character and significance. This is part of God's law for all mankind, for all history. God sets the Ten Commandments apart in a special way. Well, that fact alone tells us that the command to keep the Sabbath day holy must still be enforced today. If you don't have the fourth commandment anymore, if you don't have the Sabbath day, well, you only have nine commandments. And if, and if you can do away with the fourth commandment, who's to stop you from saying, well, these other commandments, we can put those away too. So God was teaching us something about the fourth commandment by having it as part of the Ten Commandments. It's, it remains, even for us in the New Testament, keep the Sabbath day. Fourth, another reason that the Sabbath is still in force today is the fact that Jesus himself spoke this way. In Matthew 24, when Jesus is talking about the end times, Jesus himself brings up the Sabbath day. In Matthew 24, Jesus is describing what things will be like in the last days when when Antichrist will arise. And in Matthew 24, verse 20, Jesus says, But pray ye that your flight be not in the winter, neither on the Sabbath day. So Jesus, the Son of God, takes it for granted that the Sabbath day will be here when the Antichrist is sitting on the throne. So that's teaching us that throughout the New Testament, we still have a Sabbath day. And then fifth, besides all these things, think of how the New Testament saints kept the Sabbath day holy. Think of Paul in Acts chapter 20. It's very striking. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem at the end of his third missionary journey. And he he wants to get there quickly because he wants to keep one of the feasts. Or he wants to be there for the feast. But when Paul gets to Troas, what happens? We read that Paul waits in Troas seven days. 
so that on the first day of the week, he could break bread with the disciples and he could preach to them. Now notice, Paul specifically waits seven days. He waits until Sunday because he knows that Sunday is the day when God's people are gathering together to break bread and to worship. He doesn't wait till the seventh day. He was in a hurry. He didn't just wait till the last day of the week. He waited one more day because that was the Sabbath day. So that's interesting. Besides these things, we could point to the fact that this has been the understanding of God's people throughout church history. Sunday is the New Testament Sabbath. So all these things emphasize to us that the Sabbath day was not merely part of the ceremonial law that God gave to the nation of Israel. The Sabbath day is something much, much bigger. The Sabbath day is a specific day of the week for all time that we are to keep holy and to sanctify because God has sanctified it. Well, perhaps with all this being said, we still don't understand everything completely. Because if the fourth commandment was written in stone, as you say, Reverend Geichlar, well then, shouldn't we actually be keeping the Sabbath day still on Saturday, on the seventh day of the week? Isn't that what the fourth commandment actually says in stone? The question is, how do we keep Sunday, the Sabbath day, without falling into this idea that we ought actually to be worshiping on Saturday? Instead, there seems to be this dilemma. Either there is no more a Sabbath day, and we can worship whatever day we want, or, well, if you're going to stick to the, the moral law, the Ten Commandments, well, then we should be keeping the Sabbath day on Saturday, on the seventh day of the week. How do you avoid both of those things? How do we explain that the Sabbath day is, is a Sabbath day, and it's on the first day of the week? Well, there are a few statements I would like to give to you. And these statements will help us to understand why we still have a Sabbath day, and yet it's been changed from the seventh day to the first day. Four statements. First, there is this statement. There is, in the fourth commandment of the divine law, there is in the fourth commandment, a ceremonial element and a moral element. There is in the divine law, in in the fourth commandment, there is in the fourth commandment, a ceremonial element or aspect, and a moral element or aspect. There is, in the fourth commandment, a ceremonial aspect. And by ceremonial, what we mean is that there is or there was an aspect of the fourth commandment that belonged to the ceremonies of the Old Testament, that was fitting for the Old Testament saints in their time period, in that dispensation, where they were as they were looking to the salvation God would give them in Christ. And that ceremonial element of the fourth commandment has passed away with the coming of the New Testament. So there is a ceremonial element to the fourth commandment, but there's also a moral element. There is an element that still abides with us today, something that is unchanging. That's the first statement. Second, there is this statement. The ceremonial element is the rest on the seventh day after creation and the strict observance of that day imposed especially on the Jewish people. What is the ceremonial element of the fourth commandment? The ceremonial element is the rest of the seventh day 
resting on the seventh day after creation, and the strict observance of that day imposed especially on the Jewish people. Well, what does that mean? Well, first of all, it means that the specific day of the week in which the Sabbath day was observed was ceremonial. The specific day on which the Sabbath was observed, that was ceremonial, and therefore it was able to be changed. In the Old Testament, the Sabbath day was observed on Saturday, and that was something that could change. And in the New Testament, through Jesus' resurrection from the dead, that day has changed to the first day of the week, to Sunday. And then second, what that statement also means is this. The way in which the Old Testament saints had to keep the Sabbath day in the Old Testament doesn't completely carry over into the New Testament. For example, in the Old Testament, God's people were strictly forbidden to light a fire on the Sabbath day. There was also the death penalty for those who broke the Sabbath day. These were strict laws that don't need to be strictly carried over into the New Testament observance of the Sabbath day. That's the, that's, that's the second part of the statement. So that's the second statement I'm giving you. The ceremonial element is the rest on the seventh day and the strict, the rest on the seventh day of the week, and then the strict observance of that day imposed especially on the Jewish people. Then third, there is this statement. So we explained the ceremonial element. Third, this statement, the moral element consists in the fact that a certain definite day is set aside for worship and for so much rest as is needful for worship and for hallowed meditation. Let me repeat that. The moral element of the fourth commandment consists in the fact that there is a certain definite day set apart for worship and for so much rest as is needed for worship and hallowed meditation. So what does that mean? Well, it means there is a definite day that has been set apart as the New Testament Sabbath, and it means that this day is to be set apart for the worship of the Lord. And then also that statement means this day is also for rest, the kind of rest that is being pressed into the service of worshiping God, not just rest, for rest, but rest so that I can use this day for worship. Fourth, there is this statement. The Sabbath of the Jews having been abolished, the day of the Lord must, solemnly, must be solemnly hallowed by Christians. The Sabbath of the Jews having been abolished, the day of the Lord must be solemnly hallowed by Christians. What this means is that while the Sabbath day, as it was observed by the Jews, has come to an end, there is still a Sabbath day that Christians must observe in the New Testament. This day, to be honored, has now been shifted from the seventh day of the week to the first day of the week, and it is the day of the Lord, as Scripture calls it in Revelation 1 verse 10. This is the day that Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus, we could say Jesus' resurrection from the dead is is what changed everything. It, Jesus' resurrection from the dead changed creation. And it changed creation, even in this aspect, it changed the calendar of all creation. So that the Sabbath day, with Jesus' resurrection, has been changed from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. And that's clearly proved from the fact that 
Ever since the day of Jesus' resurrection, the church has gathered on the first day of the week. It's also proved by the fact that you never read of a Gentile church gathering for worship on the seventh day of the week. Gentile Christians gathered on the first day of the week. We never read that the New Testament church felt compelled to worship on the seventh day of the week. And even the witness of the New Testament church immediately after the time of the apostles is that they gathered on the first day of the week exactly because they were celebrating the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Even Easter Sunday, the disciples were gathered and Jesus gathered with them. Then the next Sunday, the first day of the week, the church is gathered together and Jesus is with them. And, and so it keeps going, the first day of the week. Jesus is the Lord of the Sabbath. And as Lord of the Sabbath, He can change what day we observe the Sabbath day. He's the Lord of the Sabbath. And He's the one who did change it from the seventh day to the first day. And He changed it by the power of His own death and resurrection. Because now, there's significance in that too. Now, instead of God's people always looking ahead to the rest and, and being taught that there's still work to be done before you enter into that rest, right? That's the Old Testament perspective. Always looking ahead to the Sabbath, working six days, toiling, laboring, waiting to enter into the rest. That was teaching them there's still work, the work of redemption that the Messiah must do, and you're looking ahead for that to come. And now in the New Testament, it shifts. That work is finished. The work of redemption is finished. Now you live out of that. You begin on the Sabbath day, and you live out of that rest that has already been secured for you through Jesus Christ. Well, I hope these four statements help us to understand why we as Christians worship on Sunday rather than Saturday. There is still the Sabbath day, but with Jesus' resurrection from the dead, the Sabbath day has been changed from the seventh day to the first day. Now, those four statements that I gave you I use those four statements because those are taken directly from the Synod of Dort and the decisions that were made at the Synod of Dort. At the Synod of Dort, we know the canons that were written, the canons of Dort, but there was other things that they had to treat. And one of the issues they had to treat was Sabbath observance because there were many people in those days that were not observing the Sabbath properly. And so our Reformed Fathers had to come together and make some clear statements about what the Sabbath is and how it is to be kept and the fact that there still is a Sabbath to keep. Now, among those statements that the Synod of Dort made, there are two more statements that I haven't mentioned yet, and that's because I want to save those two statements for our next sermon on this commandment. What we especially want to look at next time, Lord willing, is how we are to enjoy the Sabbath day. What activities we are supposed to be busy with on the Sabbath day. This week, we want to have an understanding of what the Sabbath is. A basic foundation for understanding that there is a Sabbath day. And next time, Lord willing, we will look at how we are to enjoy it. And how we are to observe the Sabbath day. So there is a Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is embedded into the very fabric of creation. The Sabbath day is also rooted in God's very work of redemption. The commandment to keep the Sabbath day is, is part of the moral law. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And the Sabbath day has been changed from the last day of the week to the first day of the week. All of that we've looked at so far this morning. 
There's one thing more that I want to look at in the sermon this morning, and that's the fact that the Sabbath day has become the Lord's day. We call it the Lord's day. That's even what the catechism, we're going through the Lord's days of the catechism. Revelation 1 verse 20, this is the day of the Lord. How is the Sabbath the Lord's day? Well, first, we understand Jesus has ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and He's given all power and all authority over all creation. And the Sabbath is part of God's creation. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath in a very, in a, in a very direct way, because He's Lord over all. So He's Lord of the Sabbath. It is the Lord's day. In a sense, every day is the Lord's day, but, but that first of all. And then second, the Sabbath day is the Lord's day because without Jesus Christ and without His work on the cross, there simply is no Sabbath. There simply is no rest for God's people to enter into. You see, everything about the Sabbath day is ultimately found in Jesus Christ. What is the Sabbath day about? The Sabbath day is about entering into the enjoyment, uh, entering into and enjoying the relationship of friendship we have with God through Jesus Christ. The Sabbath day, even as we sit here and we're not laboring with our hands, the Sabbath day is about confessing that Jesus has done all the work. He has done all the work of salvation. He's kept the law. He's died for our sins. He he has risen from the dead. He's had the victory. He's made the full satisfaction. And the Sabbath day for us is about resting from our labors and realizing, you need to realize today that your earthly labors throughout the rest of the week do not earn anything for you with God. But all that you have is already in Jesus Christ and it's freely given to you. In a sense, you might say, at the beginning of another week. You start the week by resting. And then you live in your callings and stations out of that rest, living in thankfulness, serving the Lord, because this is your privileged calling as one who is in Jesus Christ. Keeping the Sabbath day is also about trusting. You are expressing your trust right now that Jesus is a complete Savior in every way. You don't need to worry about harvesting your crops. I know it's not that time of year, but I think that's good application. You, you don't need to be working in your office. You don't need to be worrying about harvesting the crops because Jesus is Lord. He's your Lord and Savior. You can trust Him. And this day is an expression of your trust in who He is as your faithful Lord who will give you everything that you need. He will provide. That's what Sabbath resting is all about. He will provide. He will provide. And the Sabbath day is about confessing also that we are pilgrims and strangers in this world. We're looking ahead. You know, this world and building an earthly kingdom with what I can do with my hands, that, that's not what I'm interested in. I'm, I'm looking ahead to the new heavens and the new earth, a heavenly kingdom where Jesus is. And we're reminded of that on the first day of the week. As the Catechism says, the Sabbath day is the beginning of each week of my life. It's the beginning, afresh, of putting away my evil works, yielding myself more and more to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. 
and beginning to live out that eternal Sabbath more and more. Well, we have to say more about this next time, but we should already be getting a taste of it now. The Sabbath is an oasis in the midst of this wilderness wanderings, reminding us again that we belong to Jesus Christ in body and soul, both in life and death. God is my friend. I have a relationship of friendship with him. Who would want to give that up? And who would want to go without that reminder each week again? I I need to ask myself, am I really that self-centered? That I don't have time to to rest in my relationship with the Lord? Am I really that self-centered? Am I really that unthankful to Jesus Christ? He's given me six days to do my pleasure and my work serving Him, but we understand doing my pleasure in my work, and, and the first day he calls his own to give to him in a special way. Only one day? Well, God knows we need the Sabbath day. Maybe we don't always realize we need it, but God knows we need it. And Jesus gives us this command in love. And really, if I wanted to put it bluntly, I could put it this way. You want to destroy your life you want to destroy your life, neglect the Sabbath day, right? You want to destroy your marriage, commit adultery. You want to destroy your life in Christ, this is a good start. Destroy the, neglect the Sabbath day. That, that's really what's going on here. He's preserving us as his people. Beloved congregation, may the Lord bless you this Sabbath day. May the Lord give you a, a deeper understanding of what the Sabbath is. May this deeper understanding convict us more and more of the need of the Sabbath day. And may the Lord bring us into a deeper peace and a deeper rest in Jesus Christ through the, through the observing and, and through the keeping and the enjoyment of this holy day. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank Thee that we could go to church this morning. We thank Thee for Thy Word. We thank Thee for this whole day. Lord, write Thy law upon our hearts. And may we taste and see that Thy law itself is good and needful for us. Forgive our sins. And lead us in the way of Thy good Word going forward in the rest of this week. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.